0: Welcome to the Huntback Country podcast, and if you're listening to this on the day it's released, then happy Friday. We've had a bit of a break from the podcast. It's been uh, more than a week since we've released an episode, and that's because I have been offline in Alaska for a doll sheep hunt, which was an amazing adventure filled of lots and ups and downs, and we'll have a podcast coming with that story next week. But today, this Friday, and then also this coming Monday, we are sharing our two final episodes of the Before and After the Hunt series with listeners just like you. So in today's episode, we have a great Before the Hunt episode about some buddies who are headed to Alaska. And actually, as this episode is released, they're there right now. But they're doing a do-it-yourself float hunt for moose quite a big adventure, their first time doing something like this, and in this episode you're going to hear all about how they planned it, uh, what questions they've had, um, just how they're handling logistics, the costs, and so much more. So what a cool hunt. I hope it's going well for them right now um, as it is ongoing, and I'm excited to share the after the hunt story with you later this fall. As always, guys, if you have any questions, comments, feedback, or anything like that for us, send an email to podcast at exomountaingear.com. If you have any photos to share from your hunts this season, we'd love to see them. Any stories, lessons learned, anything like that, it'd be great to hear from you guys and how your hunts go this fall. So be sure to stay in touch. And again, the best way to do that is just to email us at podcast at exomountaingear.com. But right now, let's dive in and hear about planning a do-it-yourself moose hunt in Alaska. Well, Brian, welcome to the Hunt Back Country podcast. I am really, really excited to chat with you today and hear about this hunt that you're going to be embarking upon with some buddies here. Um this fall so thanks for joining us
1: yeah thanks for having me i appreciate it like i told you guys earlier i listen to every single podcast episode it's one of my favorite podcasts so i'm kind of honored to be on i
0: guess cool man one thing right off the bat like you mentioned in the email to me that You know, you mentioned you listened to the podcast and that was one of your go-to podcasts for your 4am workouts, which I was like, holy (laughs) cow, 4am workouts, the dude's getting after it.
1: (laughs) I I wondered if that'd come up. Yeah, (laughs) we, uh, so I've always, well, I say always in the last five years, been working out early and then I came pretty good friends with another guy and he's got to be to work by 530. So he's like, Hey, I kind of want to come work out with you, but here's the deal. I got to work at 530. So what time can we go? <laughs> so, like, all right, well, what's another 45 minutes in the morning, I guess. So we, uh, yeah, we roll into the gym about 4am and it's, I mean, it's, you know, some people like to listen to hard metal music or hip hop or whatever it be in the gym. And we're, uh, we call it kind of our nerd time. We like to learn and it's our podcast time. And get some information that can help us in the field really
0: yeah cool what time do you go but, to bed
1: uh, <laughs> about nine o'clock my wife likes to okay. say sometimes I'm, it's a little earlier than that but we're sitting <laughs> on the couch reading sitting on the couch reading books to the kids every once in a while I get an elbow nudge you know
0: yeah yeah
1: so, yeah but it to be honest with you one of the biggest things that we've found that that's helped us with is like hunting in the fall and even in the spring we'd chase a lot of turkeys here in nebraska and you know the sun comes up early and but when you're getting up consistently at three thirty-five every single morning uh waking up to go hunting is no big deal so matter of fact sometimes you actually get to sleep in a little bit
0: yeah well i everybody thinks i'm crazy because i get up pretty early but i'm an hour behind you i usually get up at like 4 45 <laughs> so now i just feel like a big like oh, i'm not that special <laughs> he's getting up a full hour before i am
1: yeah, my wife likes to say it's in the middle of the night, so yeah, says you just get up mm. in the middle of the night.
0: <laughs> that's funny. It took
1: a little while to transition to it, that's for sure. took yeah. took some time for the body to get used to it, but I still, I still get about the same amount of sleep as most people. It just
0: shifted, shifted. it a little bit. Mm. So, yeah. Well, we skipped uh, kind of like an introduction context just for kind of who you are and all that stuff. So, give us the thirty thousand foot view for listeners to have some context.
1: Well, um, I'm, my name is Brian Shoning. Um, I grew up here in Western Nebraska, really moved here when I was really young. Um, and just kind of grew up. We actually spent a lot of time in Eastern Nebraska hunting a lot of whitetails, but, um, uh, got into some antelope out here. Some, some, some of that Western hunting, some mule deer, things like that. And actually I had never done any Western hunting until, um, I met a buddy in college and he was actually my college roommate and he's from Wyoming and he kept telling me, dude, you got to come out. You got to do some of this elk hunting with me. We got to get together and do some of this. And matter of fact, since I went the first year, I have not missed a year since. So kind of turned into one of those things that we do annually and, um, grew up with my, my dad and my grandpa and my uncle really being the guys that taught us about the outdoors, but they're their view on it was much different than like what I take to it now. Um, and not, I guess not their view, but just how they did it, how they went about it. Um, I really like to get out there and put on some miles and get away from everybody and kind of get into that backcountry. Uh, it's kind of grown to be a passion of ours uh, and it's kind of exciting, I guess. And we're excited to take on this new adventure. We've done lots of backcountry Wyoming stuff, uh, chasing elk. We headed to Idaho last spring. And we're, we're excited to chase this new adventure into Alaska, um, and kind of see what it brings for us about four or five years ago, my brother and I started filming our home, filming our own hunts, just kind of for ourselves. Um, and so that's been a new adventure for us as well. And just kind of finding our way into that a little bit, just, you know, dabbling in the YouTube area, which is difficult in, in the hunting industry, but not, not not trying to make like a career out of it, but just kind of doing it for ourselves and for fun and for people who want to see the family version of it. We're all about friends and family. And very rarely do we go out and do something like this by ourselves. We always want to have family or friends with us. So that's kind of the exciting thing about this Alaska hunt is I got some good buddies going with me. We're going to do it as a group and we're just going to go have a good time. I
2: don't know if I missed it. How many people in total are doing the float trip?
1: There's going to be three of us three okay so my former college roommate who i've been hunting with for many years now and then his brother
2: and uh, will everybody have tags
1: everybody's going to have a tag uh, obviously realistically on a hunt like this you, you you hope for filling all three tags but you got to be a little bit realistic that you're going in there yeah. for 10 days that's going to be really hard mm. uh, yeah. a lot of a lot of guys we talked to up there or that i've talked to have said you know if you could make it a if we could make it a 15 day hunt, um, they'd be pretty confident that we'd at least have opportunities at three good bowls, but with, with 10 days, they, they'd say you, they That's, say you yeah. should get, you should get one, hope for two, pray for three. So
0: <laughs> I think if you shoot through, you're going to be praying after you shot it. Like, oh know, God, right? what did we do? <laughs> I, I
1: know. Oh yeah. We'll be have done something majorly right if that happens.
2: What are you doing logistic wise with the boats? you have two so, boats.
1: Yeah, we'll have two rafts. Um, okay. they're uh NSR 142, so they're 14 footers. Uh, I myself don't have like any rowing experience, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. we did do a few years back, we did a uh four day shed hunt float trip which was a lot of fun uh, so that was actually my first time ever on a raft and but these other two guys from why they do a lot of river rafting through the summers and stuff and they're very experienced mm-hmm. with rafts so i'll just be on with one of them and they'll be on the oars so
0: gotcha perfect
1: maybe they might get tired of row and we'll see they might have to teach me while we're up there
0: <laughs> what was it that made you I mean, obviously a lot of hunters just want to go to Alaska period, but were you set on moose and then even within moose, were you set on a float style hunt? Like, I'm just kind of curious how this, you guys narrowed in on this particular type of hunt.
1: Well, we have talked for years, um, my buddy and I, Chad, about doing something like this, like in Alaska. We've talked about it for years and it's just kind of came around and like I said, he actually was the one that like, all right, let's do this. And when he said it, I was, well, for, first thing I'm like, Hey, tell my wife, Hey Brooke, you know, this is what we're thinking about doing <laughs> just so you know, like it's going to be 12 days, late August, early September. Um, just make sure I don't surprise her with anything. Obviously that never turn out good, but, um, and then from there, just, you know, we decided, Hey, okay, we're going to Alaska. What are we going to do? And moose is kind of one of those things that I, I've, I guess I've always had my eyes set on just cause it's such a massive animal and it's one of those things you don't get an opportunity to do. Obviously there's caribou and things like that up there too. Um, but we just kind of decided on the moose and the float part of it. We just really wanted the most adventure out of it. We're, we're not, not that there's anything wrong with going into a, a camp on a lake and stuff like that. Obviously you can get in there by yourself too. Uh, we didn't want to do guided. We just kind of wanted to, to make it our own thing and challenge ourselves and see what we can get out of it. And really to be honest with you about the, if you're talking dollar wise, like it, it's going to turn out to not really be that crazy of an expensive hunt. If you go unguided now, it takes a lot of front work figuring out where you want to go. You can't just go anywhere and think that you're going to have the most success, but um, we wanted to put in our own work, and for for us, it just is that much more rewarding and an experience and adventure, and we're all we're all about that. So,
0: what do you, what do you think? Is a I mean, obviously, when you talk cost, it always depends on. All kinds of options, logistics. How many guys do you have in your group? What your gear you need to purchase? What you already have, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But a ballpark, yeah. like plus or minus a thousand or two on either side. Like, what would you say is a reasonable per man budget for something like that?
1: With no, um, no extra gear and discuss. Like, if you had to purchase more gear, obviously you're you're talking. But we probably got. I mean, you're probably looking seven. The 8,000 a piece. Um, and that's maybe not quite that much. I might be ballparking a little high to be honest with you.
0: Yeah. I always um, round up numbers and start adding, yeah, and make it yeah. worse than it probably is. Yeah, yeah.
1: exactly. <laughs> I mean, your, your, your tag is your locking tag. I think it was, gosh, I can't remember 1400 maybe. And then you got to buy a hunting permit or a license. And then you, I mean, the expensive is, is your air air travel. Right. Yeah. um for sure and not not your commercial flights either it's that backcountry bush flights that mm-hmm. they'll they'll get
0: you so mm-hmm. all right a couple buddies let's go to alaska let's go for moose let's float that's all great as you said a lot of front work when you're going diy and you're not using either a guide or even you know there's a lot of planning services right but if you're truly doing it on your own like how did you start to eat the elephant? Like, it's like, okay, Alaska is huge. We know we're floating, but there's a lot right. of water. There's a lot of places to try and find moose. Um yep. It's different than just quote unquote, like e-scouting for, Hey, we're going to Colorado for elk. Right. So I'm just oh, curious, sure. like, how did you start to narrow down either the area, but obviously with Alaska that ties like the area you're headed to and the logistics, like you said, of a bush flight or what have you, like those two go pretty hand in hand. So I'm just curious, right. to what was that process like a bit?
1: Lots and lots and lots of hours on Go Hunt. <laughs> it's what it came down to. We we went in and I don't I don't remember exactly what a Go Hunt membership cost me 125 bucks or something like that. It, anyways, we I bought that insider for Go Hunt and just. I just started breaking down units one by one, um, taking notes on each one of them. Uh, really we wanted something initially we started and a couple of us were thinking about taking bows with us and that actually really narrows down your units we found. Um, so we decided that, Hey, if we're going on this Alaska hunt. We're going after moose and we want to have high odds you know, we want our success rate to be fairly high with it being our first time where we don't necessarily want to go up there and come back with none of us with anything. I mean, that's obviously not ideal, but so I actually, with the filtering stuff on there, uh, filtered out some of the things that we wanted and just kind of landed on this unit. But then, like you said, it's so big, it's so huge that even once you found the unit, then you're like, okay, well now where do you go? Okay. So we have this unit and some of the units, actually you got to be a little bit careful because there's a lot of tribal land up there. And so it might be a huge unit with like, I want to say there's a unit with like 80 something percent success rate. um, But there's only like 40% public land. You get into some of these other units that are still pretty high success rates, but there's 86 to 90% public land. And you and you just have more options, I guess. Um so that was kinda where we landed on, went back and forth, just discussed between the three of us, um, kinda what we were wanting to do if we were good with um hanging the bows up and leaving them at home. And everybody kinda agreed that if we're if we're doing it, we wanna go and we wanna we wanna do it and experience it. And you know, for for a hunt like this, if you ever really wanted to go back to Alaska with a bow, I guess we could. But for us it's going and and just having some success and and experiencing that with each other. Um, but after, after selecting the unit, um, that was actually, that's when actually there more work almost came. Like we figured out what unit had had the odds we wanted. Um, uh, it was over the counter purchase for the locking tags. Um, and then we got, then we had to figure out, okay, well it might have good odds, but we still want to get somewhere that's really hard to get to. And so I, I kind of just started searching in, spent a lot of, a lot more hours on, on go hunt, spent a lot of time on, on forums. And to be honest with you, I, the stuff I was finding on forums didn't, I am always a little bit leery about that because if guys are dumping a bunch of information on forums, I'm I don't want everybody to know exactly where to go. Um, so that took a little bit of sorting through and things like that. But I, I finally just found some terrain and I made a lot of calls to a lot of different pilots. I don't, I bet I talked to 15 different pilots trying to figure out who can take me where, how far in they'll take me. Um, ran into a lot of guys in the area we're looking at that only had floats on their planes and they couldn't get me to where I wanted to go. So they kept, you know, they'd relay me to different pilots and this pilot can't do it, but this one can. And then this one's got floats, but this one's got wheels. And so just, just kind of talking to those guys and figuring out who can get me into where I want to go. Um, and then coincidentally, actually, we, uh, Um, the guys that are going with me, Chad and Cole, they know a guy that had, once we decided on the exact area, they happened to be talking to this guy and told him where we were going. He's like, Oh, that's exactly where we went. And so that was kind of circumstantial, I guess, but found out that they actually killed two big bulls right away, um, before they even rafted down the river at all. So I guess that just boosted our confidence. Like, yes, like. We, we put in this work by ourselves, we figured out this spot to go. And here we just got some reassurance that from some guys that we actually know that have had success in that exact spot. So that was lucky, I guess. And just getting that, um, and them confirming that, Hey, this, this is where we landed and they, you know, they were willing to tell us some of that information, like where they were dropped off at and things like that. So that was huge really just in our confidence. And so rather than questioning if we're going into a good spot, like we know we are.
2: It's always nice to have that confidence going into it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. How
2: many miles of river do you have the potential to float?
1: We are going to have to float depending on how far up we can get. Um, Our pilot said he can push us as far up that river as possible, Um, but we could float up to 33 there is, there's only one extraction point where we have to get out of. Um, okay. So, cause we'll have a bigger plane coming in to pick us up. Um, so we have to float down to a certain, certain point and there's a, a landing strip there mm. that they'll, that they'll come into. So I guess we better make sure we don't miss that spot, but
0: <laughs> yeah. uh, so, yeah, then- so we'll
1: be about, little over 30 miles
0: okay those guys that tagged a moose before they even floated if there's a scenario where that happens to you guys like maybe you get dropped off and you're not in a hurry to start floating like maybe you're gonna hunt uh, near that drop-off point if that happens and you fill a tag can that same pilot get back in and kind of get that moose out for you before you start floating
1: yep so we actually have talking pilots and planes i guess it's kind of it's going to be a little bit interesting, but we actually have two pilots that are taking us in. So the original, the pilot that's taking us clear up into the, up the river as far as possible. um, He's going to take us in on a a Mali aircraft aircraft. And I'm going to leave from, I'm going to leave with him. And then my, my other two buddies, they're actually going to be flying in with a different pilot on a Cessna 206. And they're going to take them to a landing strip further down river and drop them there. And then once my pilot drops me off, he's going to go taxi them over to me. Um, but the, the pilot with the Molly aircraft, he did tell us that he is available. Uh, so we have him lined up. If we, if we get moose down, uh, he can come in and grab those for us. So that'll be nice to have, to have that op- option, I guess. Cause you, I mean, I really don't want to drag that, that meat and stuff around for nine days if I don't have to.
2: Yeah, that's one thing I've I've talked to a buddy who did a float trip and I think s- killed moose on day one. You know, and then it was proceeding for the next like fourteen days to they're floating the river and you know yeah. packing that meat up in the boat, getting it out oh. every night, hanging it in camp. Like it, he was just like, yep. I think the thing turned into it was not a fun hunt, trying just trying to keep that meat protected, and they were for fighting sure. bears at every single mm-hmm. place they were camping. Yeah. If The fact that you have that option is pretty
1: awesome. It'd be exhausted. Like for that many yeah. days having have to do, I mean, I don't, I can't remember off the top of my head. I've done the searching of what, what that moose is going to weigh once we get it, get him off the carcass. But I mean, there's a lot of meat there. Yeah. It's going to be <laughs> yes. heavy. So having to cart one or even two of them, you know, back and forth from the rafts, uh, That it'd be brutal on our bodies it's going to be taxing enough you know physically just being there and doing everything hunting wise up there but um message our pilot and he said he can come in and grab stuff so
0: so is that going to be part of the game plan to get dropped off and maybe take a couple days to hunt before you start floating like very strategically Yeah.
1: yeah it is so we're pretty confident um based on what, I, what I've seen on maps and Onyx and everything, um, Google Earth, like that's where we're getting dropped is kind of where we want to spend most of our time. So we're we're kind of planning on two to three days in that area, um, seeing if we can get something down. Because the, the thing is, without, without having a motor on your boat, once you go down, you're not going back. So mm. I'd, I'd hate to get um, too far down and wish we hadn't. That was actually one of the things that those other guys had had mentioned to Chad and Cole is that uh, they wish they'd have spent more time up top. They killed those two bulls and started started floating and they wish they would would have hung around a little bit longer and stayed higher. So we don't want to make that same mistake. Yeah.
0: Yeah. As you said, just once you know, it's no turning back. Like, <laughs> Yeah. We start headed downstream. We're committed. Yeah. Yep. Yep. For sure. So going back to like, the probability of taking care of moose and just any, any hunt. Like it may sound very relaxing to float in the Alaskan river, but it's a (laughs) ton of work. (laughs) Um, And then with where we started a 4am workouts, have you, have you changed your training at all this year going into this hunt specific?
1: You know, come this time of year, I kind of change it a little bit anyways to get ready for the mountains and elk and stuff like that. Uh, I, I, throw some sandbags on the pack, do more pack training, uh, just putting in the miles there. It, it's kind of funny to me when I don't do a ton of it, like through the winter and spring, we're, we're big waterfowl hunters. So we're in the, in the pits and stuff like that. So it, there's not, um, I guess a need necessarily to do a bunch of pack training, but I don't want to do the same stuff year round. So it's good for me to kind of shock my body a little bit and get it back in shape. But you find out how, little you use like your hip flexors and stuff when you are not pack training. Yeah. yeah. So, I've been doing some more of that just getting getting the legs and body in shape for that kind of stuff and just being prepared to carry a heavy pack. You know, lots of lots of single leg stuff, lots of pack training. Um I I have a hard time doing like conditioning and running stuff. My my, my body aches a little bit, you know and I just I think I can find find other ways to strengthen other parts of my body to to be ready, I guess and just lo- lots of legs and not not trying to uh, bulk up the upper body too much for sure. just wanting to be in good shape and body being ready to put on some miles and hopefully with lots of lots of weight on your back.
0: So that. Like very practically, if you say, okay, we're going to get dropped off and hunt this area for two, three, four, however many days it ends up being, what are you in that terrain? Are you able to rely on glassing at all? Like, are you looking at, hey, there's this knob, we can have a vantage point, or is that not part of the hunting strategy and more just rely on calling? Like, what's that strategy?
1: Our our plan, and obviously... Everything looks different on a map. You can do as much e-scouting as you were. Um, once you get there, you gotta reevaluate a little bit in my mind that, okay, this is what we're planning on doing. Is it gonna work? How are we gonna do this? Right now, we're planning on being able to do a lot of glassing. So we're taking botters and um, tripods for our binos and things like that, and just being ready to do that. Get up a little higher and glass down uh, into those bottoms Calling wise, we'll we we'll, we'll do some, but it's not gonna be something that we're gonna bank on, I guess. Our our main our main plan is to sit behind some glass and, and cover some ground with our eyes as much as possible. How easy it's gonna be to get to those knobs, we obviously don't know until probably we're there. Um I worry a little bit about how much and I guess not worry, but just think about how much we're going to have to wear our waders over our boots, uh, how that's going to look. Obviously, pack it pack light, like fly fishing style waders, but you want them to be durable as you're going through some of that brush. But I don't know how marshy it's going to be in certain areas. I know some areas are going to be because it's Alaska. And um, if we can get up high enough, I bet we can get out of it. But just kind of really honestly being prepared for all of those things is – just got got my mind spinning i guess you just <laughs> you don't really know until you step off that raft you know
0: yeah it's uh that's part of the fun right like is exactly you can look at it all day and dream about it which is great but it's like that's still knowing that it's unknown is what yep. makes it awesome
1: yep yep and we've like i said we're talking with pilots and stuff like that we've talked to a lot of guys up there they've gave us some ideas but i mean that's basically what it comes down to is it, it kind of depends on where you get off and, and how marshy or swampy, whatever you want to call it, it is in that specific area. And, but there are knobs and we'll be able to get up, get up a little bit higher, at least to, to see down into some of that stuff. But um, I know with moose, they can, you can look right past them and all it takes is them turning their head and their paddle shining off the sunlight. And then all of a sudden there they are and you've been glassing that same spot all day. So
0: so in terms of glassing and what you just mentioned, like even the locating moose, you mentioned bringing spotters, is this like a 50 inch minimum area?
1: It is. Yeah. So okay. we have, that. that that's actually going to be probably once we get there, besides the physical stuff and in, in killing moose, that's going to be the hard part is that moose does have to be 50 inches wide or it can have four brows on one side. Right. So, Hopefully, if everything goes perfect, you just find one that has four brows on one side and you're good to go because that with inexperienced moose hunters, judging a moose at 50 inches, obviously the, there's tactics to do it. Um, if you go on the Alaska Game and Fish sites, they have videos and stuff that kind of teach you how to do it. Um, but that's, that's still going to be pretty pretty difficult, you know, to, to be able to judge. Is it fifty or is it forty-eight? Is it, you know? <laughs> so that that's going to be a tough one. Um, that's been taking. I've been trying to do as much research, videos, uh, pictures, spending time on that uh, Alaska Game of Fish website, and watching their trainings and tutorials. They have like quizzes and stuff on there that you can go through and and just be as ready as you can. And I guess the what it comes down to is if you're not 100% confident, you don't pull the trigger. So,
0: Are there, as you've researched that, like judging moose, are there like reference points, tips and tricks, or is it just a matter of like yeah. looking at a lot of moose and getting a feel for it? Because I can relate that to, like when I was planning to hunt mountain goats, like uh-huh. you start to look at judging goats and it's like, okay, we well talk about like the distance from the, the nose to the eye and you can use that yep. as like a an indication of length and they compare that to the horn. So are there any, tips or tricks like that for moose i haven't looked into that
1: Yeah, so they talk about the. obviously they vary each moose varies a little bit but they say that eyes are nine to ten inches apart so the width of their if they're looking straight at you you're looking at about nine to ten inches on their on their face or their skull um so with that nine to ten inches in the middle if there's another skull width on or if there's two skull widths on each side And you have a two on the outsides and you have the one in the middle. You got a total of 50 inches. So, um, just basing off that you're nine to 10 inches. You got to try to take that and spread it out to the side and, uh, see if there's, see if there's five of those widths or not is what it talks about. One, one thing I thought about doing, and actually I just thought about this last night when I was watching the video again. Um, was maybe like having a, having a phone scope or whatever style you use to connect your phone to a spotter. There's lots of them out there now, but um, and taking a picture of it on your phone, and then what you can do is if you go in and edit that picture, you can draw a line from eye to eye, and then you can actually take that and move it or copy it and duplicate it over and see if it's there. But it's it's going to be hard. That's going to be the the most difficult part is judging if it's 50 inches and I'm just, just trying to come up with creative ways on how to do that. Obviously the closer you are to the moose, the easier that is. So um, yeah, that'll, that'll for sure be the toughest part of, of judging a legal moose is if he doesn't have four brows on one side, questioning if that thing's 50 inches or not.
2: Hopefully just get lucky and they're so big it doesn't matter. Heck yep, that's I, know, that's, that's, <laughs> I, think, I think it's, it's either facts. sixty-eight
1: or seventy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. If hopefully it's like, okay, is there is that three eyewits on that side? I don't know. There might yeah. Be. yeah, just hope the thing hope the thing's so massive that there's absolutely no question in mind.
0: Yeah. When you cho- so you take the whole new season, how did you guys choose dates? Was it based on just work? Was it based on flight availability, or was it very intentional of like, hey, I want to target this time of the season for, you know, behavior activity of the moose? What what did that look like?
1: We really wanted to be there um on opening day, to be honest with you, for this one. Um and the I guess the biggest reason is that we know in the area we're going to, we know that there's a couple outfitters that work out of the same area. And we felt like just getting in there as early as possible with the least amount of activity um, is is going to be best for us. It we know that there can be some early rutting activity. We're probably we're probably going to hit. We think the more of that peak rut towards the end of our trip. But really, it came down to just knowing that on this one river that we're going in on, there's going to be some activity going on and we just kind of want to have first opportunity at it.
0: Was that awareness of the guide activity from the guys you connected who had been there? Was it from pilots or,
1: you know, it was actually a little bit of both, mostly pilots. Actually, there was one pilot I had talked to um, that to be honest with you, I think he kind of slipped up and didn't mean to tell me that there was a guide <laughs> in there. And I just, he just mentioned this name of a guy. And then I went on, you know, did my Instagram creeping and found this guy and found out that he was a guide in there. And he, the pilot I had talked to had told me that he, yeah, he uses this pilot. And like I said, just mentioned the name. And then I just kind of, he didn't tell me he was a guide, but I thought it was weird that he, he said a specific name. So then I kind of went and found, found this guiding service. And, um, to be honest with you, that kind of verified our location too. When I saw some of the pictures that he posted on his Instagram. So (laughs) uh, I was like, so I was like, Hey, I think we might be in the right place guys. Yeah. And just kind of, I actually kind of went in and, and searched like his website and just figured out like how many, or Availability and stuff like that. Found that he was he was pretty booked up, so I think there's going to be. And he runs a pretty big camp out of there, so getting in there. Some of the pictures I saw, he's got motors on on rafts, so he's going to be able to go up or downstream. He's going to kind of be able to be all over the place. Uh, they fly quads in there, so they all have four wheelers and stuff. So I just really want. We just really wanted to be in there um, before too much of that was taking place, and you know. Mm-hmm. Like I said, give us give us the chance of that monster bull that we don't even have to judge at fifty inches before some of those other guys even see it. Hopefully, so, and we are going in one day early, so we will have a day um, to kind of look some things over, hopefully, or at least half a day. You obviously you can't hunt the same day you fly in, anyways. So we are flying in on August thirty first, uh, early morning on August thirty first so that hopefully we can have half a day there or so to do some, do some scouting and kind of look over some terrain and see what we can find for real lucky. We'll have a bull spotted for the morning.
0: Yeah. Love it. Did any of you guys, like you talked before about bow and rifle, did any of you guys have to make any decisions or changes on rifle setups? Just knowing man, moose are freaking huge.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I did. Uh, Chad and Cole both had rifles that would work. Um, I have never the biggest animal, which is a big animal that I've killed with the rifles and elk. Uh, I shot it with the seven mag. Um, I ended up purchasing a, uh, Christiansen arms FFT 300 PRC. Um, just, Doing some research on that, I, th- I was pretty confident. I I wanted a a thirty caliber rifle. Um, those other guys, one of them's shooting a three hundred Win Mag, I believe, and then I think one of them's taking a twenty six Nosler. If I remember right. Um, so really, those guys felt like they were already pretty well set up, but I didn't feel like I had anything that that I really wanted to take and trust in Alaska. Um, on a moose hunt, I wanted something that, that had some knockdown power and that I was confident in, um, and it gave me a good reason to buy a new rifle too, I guess. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, Didn't take too much convincing.
1: No, no, it was, it was pretty, pretty easy convincing on my part. So, <laughs> so yeah, we, we did play around with the idea a little bit of, of, uh, sharing rifles, just cause there is three of us going, but when it came down to it, none of us actually live in the same place. We don't, and none of us live in the same town. I just wasn't confident, uh, you know, shooting somebody else's rifle after I, I just want to be able to set my own stuff up. I want to shoot it. I think everybody looks through a scope a little bit different. Um, mm-hmm. I've shot some other guys rifles doing some other hunts. Um, but I, would on a hunt like this i wanted to have 100 percent confidence in my rifle and know that i was carrying it on my back if it was bumped it was my fault if something happened it was my fault i didn't i didn't want to like have somebody else carrying this rifle i shoot at this moose and completely whiff and then find out the scopes off but i was never carrying the rifle so now i'm pointing finger i i just didn't want any of that so we decided for for the, for the weight of it, flying in with planes anyways, you know, you're not, you're not backpacking the entire time. Uh, it just wasn't worth, wasn't worth seven pounds.
2: Do you have any weight restrictions as far as the put that the pilots have given you to get in there?
1: We, yeah, we typically run pretty light anyways, you know, with all the, with some of the backcountry stuff we've, we've done. Um, We, some of the guys going in on hunts like this, you know, they take camp kitchens and stuff like that. We're not doing any of that. We're taking our, taking our jet boils. Uh, We're, we're going in light. We just don't want to mess with a bunch of that stuff. I guess we want our focus to solely be on the hunting and we don't plan on being able to cook a big meal. So if we happen to get a moose down, sure, we'll start a fire or something and, and cook some of that. But um, the Cessna two Oh six can hold about 900 pounds. And then I didn't get a specific weight on the Molly that I'm going in on, but basically our plan is we will load up that Cessna two oh six and with as much weight as they'll take. So probably after talking with our bush pilots, the we'll probably get those two guys, Chad and Cole, plus both rafts and and raft gear, and then they will probably take like a survival bag of food um, and maybe a pack. But the plan after talking with the pilots, I actually haven't talked to Chad and Cole about this yet. I just talked to the pilot the other day, but um, I will probably take all three packs and my rifle with me on that other plane. They'll just want to have like a survival bag of food. If something would, something crazy would happen, they'll have something, um, so they'll, they'll take the rafts and themselves and their rifles. And I'll probably take all of the packs, but neither of our pilots was worried at all when I told them what we were taking. So, um, I guess we have a tent in there too. We'll take a tent in. uh, we're not going to take our one man tents. We're going to take a, uh, Cabela's Alaskan guide tent. We'll just all stay in one tent and
0: mm, yeah, good it, choice. it's,
1: yeah, it's not too crazy heavy and, It'd be nice to have some space and know that, you know, if that weather does turn, we can all kind of hang out in there. And with, with the stuff we're taking, that's not going to be a problem weight wise. So none of the pilots were real worried about our weight. Once we talked about what we were taking. So
2: not something new that I ever really consider in lower 48, but you need to take into account there's a good chance you could spend two or three days inside of a tent so just exactly being comfortable and being entertained for two <clears throat> yep. or three days is something you have to think about yeah. yep
1: and when we're not carrying it on our back all day um we got planes and wraps yeah. it's not like we gotta be counting ounces i was thinking about i have a. I haven't decided on this yet maybe you guys have some ideas i i'm thinking about taking my i have a hilleberg solo and for no more than it weighs i might just toss it into just i was (laughs) telling my wife the other day that i'd hate to get miles away from from camp and find a bull moose right at sundown and then have to have to rough it or hike all the way back and for no more than it weighs i was kind of thinking i might take it, it along with me
2: yeah if you got the capacity uh, it wouldn't hurt to have a if nothing else. Have a backup in case a bear rips through your tent.
1: For sure. Just yeah.
2: Crazy stuff happens out there.
1: Yep, yep. It is Alaska. I think we got to be prepared <laughs> for about anything.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'd say yeah. You guys have high potential for a lot of adventure on this hunt. Good, good <laughs> yep. and bad adventure. <laughs> yep, yep,
1: <laughs> yep. Hopefully ninety um, percent good, right?
0: Yeah, uh, okay. yeah. Are you guys bringing a bear fence?
1: uh yeah we actually we don't own one but we found a place we rented one okay so we'll we'll have a a bare fence rented out
0: yeah Um, i meant to ask on the rafts too is that you're just doing a rental service there
1: yeah yep yep they'll they deliver it right to our right to our airport for takeoff and yeah give us a little lowdown on it but the the rafts that we actually rented both of my buddies that are going they both own this exact same raft so they're they're familiar with it at least and they've used the exact same thing. So that, that, that's beneficial too.
0: For Sure. Is there anything, so bare fence and a raft, is there anything else that you're renting or in some other way, um, or acquiring when you get up there, essentially that you're not taking with you?
1: The only thing that I still have to figure out is what I'm doing for like waiters. Um, you can rent waiters up there and I just haven't decided, I guess, yet what I want to do there. Um, whether I want to put my trust in somebody else's and then I'm like, well, it's just, it's just waiters. Like if they're renting them to you, they're, they're probably decent. They rent them to people fly fishing all the time. And it, it seems like a pretty common thing that this company found that, that they do. Um, but other than that, it's just the rafts, the bear fence, and then maybe those we talked about originally we had planned on renting a tent, but I actually owned an Alaskan guide. And when we looked into it, I'm like, well, I'm not going to rent it. We'll just ship it up there. So we're just going to get a, a, a tote of stuff and toss the tent in there. And you have to, you can't fly with your jet boil fuel. So you got to ship that up there anyways. Um, And we'll, we'll have some peak refuel meals shipped up there. Um, so other than that, everything is, is we'll ship some stuff up there, but really it's all all our stuff that we're bringing So
0: we talked a little bit about, you know, shelter rifle, some of those big decisions not just in terms of shipping, but for any of you guys, like any other gear decisions that you made specifically for this hunt, like obviously things like rain gear come to mind of, you know, were you guys already set there or considering making changes because of this uh this crazy adventure that you guys are doing?
1: Yeah. So um that rain gear was one of my big things. I mean, I own some rain gear. I don't own anything that I felt was durable enough for alaska i think that's a big thing like you can get a lot of this rain gear you can get super light rain gear you can but when you're going to a place like this you're talking durability and knowing that you might be wet for five days straight you know um and it's not going to be crazy warm so i actually i did end up uh, buying the first light uh omen storm shelter uh rain gear Uh, just doing some research and I've, I've kind of tested it a little bit since I've got it and I think it'll, it'll live up to exactly what I need it to do. It's going to be durable and I think it's going to be comfortable. It seems to vent well. Um, I, I couldn't speak to exactly what they're taking for rain gear. Um, every time I find something that I end up getting for, for this trip, I, I send it right to them and say, Hey, this is what I got for this. Um, just so those guys know too, because I know they have, they've had some of the same questions with rain gear. Um, I didn't have a good pair of gators and I definitely wanted some gators. I know there'll be some water crossing. It's going to be wet. Um, so I ended up, uh, landing on the, uh, peaks. So I think there's storm castle. Does that sound right? Peak storm castle gator mm-hmm. is what I ended up getting. Um, other than that, I don't, I didn't really have to purchase anything. Um, well, I guess I, I did get, uh, not necessarily just for this hunt, but, um, I got, uh, a Nemo sleeping bag, just making sure you have a good sleeping bag. Like, like we said, you might be locked up in that tent for a few days, depending on whether you just never know. So, yeah. Uh, I definitely wanted to make sure I was set there.
0: Steve, you and I, you and I just recorded a Monday Minute episode yesterday, which is probably uh, a month and a half before this episode podcast maybe released. So it's going to be very disjointed. But um, in a podcast you and I just did, Steve, it was uh, let's see Monday Minute one hundred and eighty, your <laughs> Alaskan moose hunt came up and. Different hunt in the sense that, it, you know, you guys didn't do a float hunt, you did like a drop, but just having had that experience, you know, in in that podcast, you're talking about how your mindset is totally different now and things like that. I'd just be curious to like, what would you want to relay kind of share with Brian for his first Alaska trip? Cause that was also your first Alaska trip. And again, I'm not saying the hunts Mm -hmm. are going to be the same, but just like, yeah. What would you want to chat with Brian about on that?
2: uh I yeah I think I think you're there being mentally prepared for the adversities right like mm-hmm. instead of being I think how how long's your hunt ten days
1: ten days yep
2: yeah so expect to hunt six of those ten days just yeah that'd be my it what's I think you in a Ala- all my hunts I've done in Alaska there is always some form of weather that it's just, we just don't see in the lower 48 right? to where you're like truly just in the tent for 24 hours, right? Unhuntable conditions. So expect, expect to lose some hunting days, whether it's on, you know, you, not everything's going to go smooth going in on the flight, right? You're going to have weather delays. And then if there are weather delays, things get backed up because they got other hunters, they got to get out in front of you. But I think mm-hmm. just going in with the, knowing things are probably going to go wrong and so you have you'll just end up with a better attitude versus if you're you know because it's it'd be really easy to get oh just kind of down right just get depressed or sad that things aren't going the right way yeah yeah you know, get um so just that's a big one to me just having the right mental mental attitude and rolling rolling with the punches because they're going to come i guess as i said there. like
1: yeah. That was actually one of the questions I had for you. Like, how do you, I've been on some, I've been on some hunts that, that are pushing 10 days, you know, and kind of in mm-hmm. that back country area where you're away from everybody, but how like advice for just like you said, staying focused and, and positive in something like this, like it's hard. I, I know that Steve, I think it was you on the, on a recent podcast that I just listened to talked about, your, your family is actually one of those things that motivates you. Cause you know, you can't go back. You, right. you can't just keep going back. It it's one of those that, you know, that use, use, use that idea. I guess that, you know, you're away from them. So you got to make them make it worth it. Yep. Um, but any, anything else like what do you do when you, you're cooped up in that tent for two days straight? Like that, that's <laughs> right, hard. Yeah. I, I just, mean, I, I don't know that yeah. it's hard. I haven't done it, but I can just imagine you're sitting there and just,
2: yeah, so for go. me, our when we went on that first trip, it was I'd never done that before. I've never been. It's raining so hard that you can't go hunt outside. You know, yeah. it's, if if there was a storm like that in a in an Idaho hunt, it's like, well, we we didn't hunt that day. Like we we didn't backpack in, or we back, we got out of there because it was such crappy weather. We're there you're just stuck. Yeah, I think it's just you know, I, as I was saying, your big Cabela's tent is a great choice. Have we always on those hunts pack like little mini portable cribbage sets. So you just can okay, play cribbage sure. all day long and keep yourself yep. occupied. The you know, a few little, if you'd like to read down some, download some books to your phone or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, but just, it's important to have that not get butt hurt that you're not out there hunting that day and just be like, you know what, this is, this is part of the experience. It'll just yeah. add to the story in the end. And just, you got to fight the negative attitude. Cause it's only going to, Affect your hunt, um, in a you know in a much worse way than if you were because you're stuck in the tent. Than if you were to you know, just remain positive, and then the second the sun clears, you're out there hunting hard and getting after it. Uh, so yeah, that's a big one. Waders. Well, you mentioned some about like lightweight fly fishing waders that that scares me. You definitely want something early more beefy tough. Yeah, yeah, we went on that first trip. We had these. They were called Neos River trickers which they don't exist anymore. And they're actually they're a hip waiter. They were pretty awesome, except for the fact that we were frequently in water that was that going over the top of them. Yeah, uh, and that's what I worry about. Well, not, you're, not getting uh, a
1: chest waiter.
2: Yeah, the just yeah something that's going to be tough and durable is, is mm-hmm. certainly I would err on that versus trying to save a couple pounds.
1: Yeah, um, is that? I mean, I I think I got to kind of be prepared to from stuff I'm finding, anyways. I'm could be in those things for most of a day, depending on where you're at.
2: I absolutely. when you're in the boat in the river all day long, you'll spend, if you're not out hiking away, you know, a mile away from the river, which most likely you're not going to do. My yeah. guess is you're in those waders 90% of the time. So definitely don't I'd get some beefy burly yep. ones. Yep. Um. How about meat logistics getting at home? Have you researched that?
1: Yeah, there's a there's a uh, place there where we will plan on s- storing it um, once we get it out, and then they'll have packaging stuff once we come out that we can package it, and we'll pr- we'll probably just it'll be frozen, and we'll probably just uh, fly it straight home as a check bag as okay. much as we can. Um,
2: yeah, I think so you'll we plan should on, be able you'll, to you'll donate basement. some,
1: yeah. right? Yep. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, you can't take the whole moose, but yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. As much as we can, fly it home checked.
2: Uh, Mark, I wonder how easy was it to set up that Alaska Air cargo
0: account? Yeah. Yeah. What's tricky that is like yeah. Yeah. It was, it, it was relatively easy for me slash us because we basically tied it to XO as a business entity. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. I've talked with some customers. Not customers, um podcast listeners, who've done it as individuals, but I think it isn't as straightforward. Like they do a little bit more vetting because really that's the the reason that kind of network and option exists is for businesses to, like, say, you know, uh, a lobster company in the East Coast to ship lobsters, right? Like sure. air cargo stuff. So it's it's uh-huh. meant more for like commercial use. Um, I have. Again, spoken with some folks who've set it up individually. I just don't think it's as quick. And then the other thing just to keep in mind with that is you would need someone there to coordinate, right? So, like, you're shipping air cargo later. So, it's like, who's on the ground later? Who's willing to go drop that off at the airport? Mm -hmm. Um, So, it definitely is an option to consider, maybe to look at. Um, The rates are pretty dang reasonable. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely would... It, you know, if you work with like maybe one of those pilots or just get to know any sort of local, maybe in the people you're renting the raft from, like if, if they're, you know, if it's convenient for them to potentially do something or maybe just a meat processor, um, it's at least worth exploring.
1: Yeah, that might be something yeah. I need to look into because we, the one thing I didn't mention is we have, that's how we're shipping stuff up there. Uh, my buddy Chad that's going with us, he knows a guy in Anchorage actually. And so that's who we're sending stuff to. Perfect. And we're just ship, shipping it straight to this guy. So we'll ship our tent and that kind of stuff, our our uh, peak meals and jet boil Fuel. We're just sending it straight to his house.
0: Yeah. So if you have somebody like that who could do something, that could be helpful.
2: Yeah. You could. Yeah. Or if you, or if you don't want to bring all the meat home because it's a pile of it, and there's you've already talked to somebody that's like, oh yeah, we'll take it and donate it because there's certainly a lot of people up there that will take it, and you just, sure. yeah, you want to fly home. 200 pounds of meat then yeah do what you're doing i think it's totally totally worth it i wouldn't we did the left the meat with the air service taxi service we used they finally got it to the butcher like three months later and then i think we got the meat you know the hunt was in september we didn't get it to like february or something the next year it was ridiculous and cost way more than we you know they charged us to fly it to anchorage the and then the meat processor charged a boatload of money to cut it up and then ship it all home. And it was uh, just a pain. It was definitely a process I wouldn't go through again. Not that it can't be done well or whatever, but uh, right. another thing I would say is just it, plan on days up front and days on the back end for logistics. Don't don't yep. create your schedule so tight that it's like, all right, we landed at 8 a.m. We're to this place by 10 a.m. We're flying by 11 a.m. Like, just give yourself, I think that just creates more because of the frequency of delays up there, just give yourself mm-hmm. some time to let things process and happen and yeah, like the fact that you kind of have a day you're you basically have a day buffer of where you're going in early. I think that's good, you know because if you if you aren't if that you lose that day, then you still you're still on the ground opening day just so you yep. know obviously you can't hunt, but you can look for animals, yep, so just and give yourself cool. a buffer. I, i've done that with you know on these trips it's like just schedule everything so tight because you're you know you need to get back to work <laughs> you need to get back to family and in the yeah. end it just bites you in the ass like if everything goes to schedule and goes great awesome it just i yeah very yeah. rarely does that happen especially with the you know, all the logistics you've got of two different pilots
1: yeah there's so many moving parts
2: yeah like just expect things to go wrong, and then when they do, be like, okay, that's what I expected. Not <laughs> yeah. not have everything go smooth, and when yeah. it goes wrong, you, yeah,
1: yeah, it's not like you're just driving out like I'm used to. Just drive out to Wyoming to hunt the next day.
2: Yeah, it's just it's completely different. And that's it's that was a so frustrating not being in control because you're sure. just sitting there. The pilot's the one who dictates when you leave, and uh, there's a couple times we're sitting there just like the weather looks great here. You know what the F is going on? Like, why are we getting out? And the pilot's telling you, "Well, oh, it's kind of, you know, you can't fly out cause where we land is bad. And you're like, you're not sure if they're full of it or it's uh, it's frustrating. So just a lot of patience and a good attitude goes a long ways.
0: That's good stuff. I never thought of this, like as you were talking about just delays and all that, and just thinking through all my experiences in Alaska, which has always included delays. And like you said, Steve, being have been outside of your control, but I was thinking of how many times when people are upset about something and they vocalize it, it starts with, I can't believe that. And then they go on to like <laughs> complain about whatever happened. And I think just eliminate that from your language and your mind. Like when it comes to Alaska hunt, yeah. like any moment where you're just like, I can't believe that. And it's like, no, oh, I should have like expected that that was at least a possibility. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, yeah. I was yeah. thinking of my goat hunt and day seven or eight or whatever it was like it was beautiful in the morning and then the ceiling dropped and we spent the whole my last full hunting day like with zero visibility and i wanted to go i can't believe that but it was it, <laughs> honestly even in the moment was more like yeah it's freaking the guy i believe that happened you know yeah. like it's just yeah. you just need to go into it with that mindset um, of the unexpected is expected
1: yeah if it's a possibility just plan on it
0: yeah Other
2: than that, I'm jealous. Yeah. I've been, that's a float (laughs) on something I've been wanting to do. We've a couple, though, I almost booked one two years ago and didn't do it. So super curious to do the follow up up podcast on this and hopefully it went great for you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, We are, we are stoked. Hopefully we can have some of that Alaska success that I've seen you guys having. Yeah.
0: Any other questions on your mind kind of for us before we wrap it up?
1: Well, the, honestly, the only other thing I was going to ask you guys about was, was, uh, i have i'm taking some i have a pair of sitka timberline pants i was wondering if you had any advice on pants but if the more talking to you if if we're talking about uh spending a lot so much time in waiters, i might just take my uh oh what are they my piranha pants that that i mm-hmm. got or some something lighter and
0: yeah i think uh You know, There's a good chance you've been in waders a lot or one thing to consider, like one thing I would do or consider on this hunt, like you mentioned having the omen rain gear, which I think is a great choice, Um, but some sort of like lightweight synthetic base layer bottom that would essentially, Mm -hmm. you would just wear under your omen. Um, And it's just helping you. Yeah, yeah, instead of pants, it's just helping kind of keep that uh, rain gear kind of off the leg and, you know, against the skin where it gets a little more clammy. Sure. Um, so just some sort of like, and I say synthetic just so that it can dry quickly, yeah. um, versus like a merino bottom, but yep. that would be an option too. So I think between either waders or your rain pants with like a light synthetic underneath, there's probably a chance you're in that stuff the vast, vast majority of the time. Right. Yep. I wouldn't personally bring something like Timberlines, I just think they'd be too warm and not get used as much.
1: Mm-hmm. I got, and I have some lighter stuff, mate. I might explore into that a little bit.
0: Yeah. I think your
2: piranhas would be totally perfect for that. They're tough. <laughs> they're, la- they're lightweight. They, sh- they dry fast. Yep. I, w- I wouldn't hesitate for a second to take those. Awesome.
1: Yeah. That was really the only other question. Like I said, I think, I I think I'm, I think we're pretty set on gear. I think it's, I think we have that kind of dialed in a little bit. Just the, those few things, figuring out what I'm doing for waiters is, is really my big thing that I have left. Um, mm-hmm. just making a good decision on that. Yeah.
2: So, yeah. And, and it could be, well, being in a raft, you're going to use the crap out of them. I think, it, I you think could, so, yeah. if you're doing a drop camp hunt, you you just don't, you couldn't, the guys I've talked to, like I didn't touch my waiters once the entire trip, except yeah. for getting out of the, getting out of the float plane onto the land, you know? And yep. then the hunt I did was, was just not an option not to wear them 24-7. and just yep. and completely different. But floating the river, you're going to, you know, depending on how boggy it is on the edges of the river, you know, I think certain river systems are going to be a little bit different. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're certainly going to use them a lot.
1: And there is, just looking on the aerial view of the Onyx and Google Earth stuff, they, there's you got a main channel, but then off to the side there's a bunch of little smaller channels too so you got to be able to cross that yeah without yeah. without being there you don't know how deep those are going to be you don't know if you're maybe you can cross them in your boots and your gaiters, but you might have to throw the waders on
2: yeah get some good so. early you know full chest height waders yeah I think that's probably the best ticket for you
1: yep yep sounds like it. I have I have nice nice neoprene ones but I don't know if I want to be walking all day in neoprene
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that sounds a little miserable
0: yeah man i'm excited brian uh yeah excited just to hear how it goes afterwards really looking forward to it thanks for taking the time to share this with us today i know a bunch of listeners are going to be waiting to hear from you just like we are and yep. excited for you so enjoy enjoy all of it even when it sucks
1: <laughs> yeah yeah for sure embrace the suck right and uh, I appreciate you guys having me on I really do it's been great I'm excited to go and can't wait to give you guys the end story hopefully positive
2: absolutely
0: you'll have a blast one way or another well what an adventure that's going to be or actually is right now because again these guys are out doing this hunt as this episode is released I can't wait to get them back on the show and hear how it went for them And again, let us know how your hunts go this fall. Feel free to shoot us an email to podcast at Xomountgear.com with any success, any lessons learned, any stories. We'd love to hear it. Appreciate you guys tuning in. As always, hit subscribe or follow in a podcast app if you haven't already so that you receive future episodes automatically. We have a lot more coming to you soon. As always, for free, appreciate the support. Enjoy all of your hunts this fall. We'll talk to you soon.